Welcome to The Good, The Bad, and The Podcast, the show where we pick a given movie genre and explore those examples that are so good they make you wild, those bad movies that make you even wilder, and those ugly movies that are as silly as a Billy. And this episode, of course, is movies directed by Billy Wilder. And I already apologize in advance to Kelly and Charles for that intro, but it's the best I could do, guys. I'm, I'm so sorry. Hey, I'm Mark. Yeah, and it is, it is short notice, right? <laughs> I loved it. And I'm Kelly. And I'm Charles. Yeah, we, we were just talking about we haven't done a podcast since May. Uh, Sorry, guys. But actually, uh, in your defense, Mark, I actually really liked that intro. That was really clever. So Thank you. I mean, I spent five months on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I, in all seriousness, I did like it. <laughs> so um, very funny. Um, and the reason we're doing Billy Wilder movies is because we changed um, our format a little bit last time where um, Mark and I had kind of decided on a few different genres for Kelly and she picked one of them at random and that was the movie she got movies directed by Billy Wilder so take it from there Kelly okay so this was actually I loved this category um, Billy Wilder is one of my favorite directors um, he's he's done the problem with an episode like this with the format that we do is that we can only talk about one good movie one ugly movie and one bad movie and there are so many good movies that Billy Wilder has done. I mean, we're talking about a conversation that contains Double Indemnity, Some Like It Hot, The Apartment, Sabrina, The Seven Year Itch, Witness for the Prosecution, Sunset Boulevard, like so many movies. And it's it saddens me deeply that we're that two of the ones we're going to be talking about are inherently, you know, not as good, obviously. But I just, I, this was an awesome category, so I thank you guys for picking it. But the movies that we are going to be talking about today are The Major and the Minor from 1942, Sunset Boulevard, 1950, and Buddy Buddy from 1981. And I believe um, we're talking about his first movie and his last movie. So I feel like, you know, obviously we're not getting his best movies necessarily in there, but it's kind of cool that we're going the whole range because he had a really long career. Um, I, I was reading about him, actually. Um, he, I believe he was a journalist during World War II, and he came to the United States not speaking English at all and um, to escape from Hitler. So, he, you know, and then he started making movies here. And so he had at least like a 40-year career plus, um, which is amazing. So, That's pretty, did, did he write a lot of his own scripts or no? Yeah, I believe he did. Yeah, because that's even real. I mean, the dialogue on all of these is pretty sharp and quick, which yeah, is which is snappy. pretty impressive for for a non-native speaker. Right. Uh, exactly. Like in in all of his best works, he wrote the screenplay as well as directed. So it's like he didn't always for every single movie he did, but for his like most iconic movies, he did both, which is kind of mind-boggling. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So was... Charles, do you do we want to say what we think? Our, our Kelly's Pixar for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, sure. I, I think um, I think obviously Sunset Boulevard is going to be her good pick. Um, the other two, I, I think knowing Kelly that the the major and the minor is going to be her ugly, and her bad is going to be buddy buddy. Yeah, I agree with those. Um, although I will say Sunset Boulevard, I watched it first, and I thought it could have been an ugly pick. Uh, but we'll talk about why in a little bit. I, I wasn't as blown away by it as I would hope to be by a good pick. So anyway. and, and and by the, and by the way, um, I don't think this is his best movie. So we'll we'll have a discussion on that. But I was just looking up. Um, we mentioned uh, 
all the different movies. He's um, he's won. Uh, I think he's won two Oscars for best writer writing screenplay, and he's won at least one for director. So it's um maybe even more than that. It says he's won six Oscars, but I don't know if that's for counting as producer or not too. But that's really really awesome. I mean, he's he had a heck of a career, um, yeah. and he. Uh, he lived a, I mean, a long life because he went from 1906 to 2002, so he was 95 when he died. Um, wow! And, like I said, his career spanned 40 years. All right, okay. So, um, which one are we starting with chronologically? Yeah, I figure we'll just do chronological. So we'll start with the major and the minor. Okay. Yes. You are correct. It is my ugly pick. Okay. So, let me just start off by saying. This movie cannot be viewed through the lens of a watcher from 2018. It th- it's does not compute. The limit does not exist. Like, you just shouldn't do it. But Go ahead and read the synopsis, Kelly, real quick so people can get an idea. <laughs> okay. Because before so, you give that, I think people have to understand what this movie is. And then I'll play the yes. trailer. Okay, cool. All right, so a woman, Ginger Rogers, disguises herself as a child to save on a train fare and is taken in charge by an army man who doesn't notice the truth. All right, and (laughs) Ginger Rogers was 30 when this movie was made. All right, here's a trailer. (laughs) I know you guys can't see this. Once upon a time, there was a very, very good little girl who went a-riding on a train for half fare. Oh, God. So now the, the bedtime big, story for, for adults. wasn't so sure she was so very, very little. There was also some doubt whether she was so very, very good. Say, kid, when you smoke, do you inhale? <laughs> Let's see that hike. And so, this not so very, very good little girl, who was really Ginger Rogers in disguise fled into the compartment of a handsome young major named Ray Milland, who invited her to stay for the night. You're, you're very kind, but, well, my mother told me that, well, you see, you are a strange gentleman. Uh, yes, well, we can soon fix that. Came the dawn, and who should come aboard the train but the handsome young major's fiance? No! Quiet, the conductor's not supposed to know. Nor, I imagine, am I. You know, Susu, when I look at you with just my bum eye, you look almost grown up. Not a child anymore. Susu, you're a knockout. You don't love him. Leave that to me. Just pack your things and go. Taking good care that nobody sees you crossing the campus. That's a rather foolish costume for a child of 12. You should be very glad I'm not 12. I was a very straightforward child. I used to spit. the major <laughs> those of you that aren't seeing it the uproarious adventures of a big little girl who's too good to be true you know susu you're a very peculiar child you bet i am uh i want to say that i had no idea what this movie was about um i actually really i thought 
Oh, major and minor. I was thinking, okay, is that something to do with music? I, I, I really had no idea. And it's, it's, uh. <laughs> as Mark was saying when he watched it for the first time, it, it makes you uncomfortable. It really does. Okay, so it was the most uncomfortable I've ever been watching anything in my life. <laughs> I think, I think that's got to be true. So let me explain. Although I gotta say, Ginger Rogers is amazing in this movie. Like she right? completely pulls it off. And the first fifteen minutes where this gag is going of oh she's pretending to be underage so she can get a you know, she, it's her last dollar to get home to her to her home because of all of the horrible sexism of the big city and she's just tired of it. And uh, I was like, this is really funny. And then she runs into the major and there's this whole bed scene where she sleeps in his sleeper car in the train. And it's storming, so he comes and comforts her. And this is when I realize, oh, this is for the entirety of the movie. That's this is exactly. the whole thing. I thought it was going to be a one-off gag. And I was like, oh, great. They're, okay, fine. It worked to get her a ticket. She was hidden behind the balloon. Now they're on the train. I'm like, okay, you know. But then it, then the cops kept bugging her on the train. And I'm like, this is the entire movie? Like, What? <laughs> And it was like and the minor. They, and then they go to a little cadet academy where there are all these preteen boys who are, you know, can't keep their hands off her. And and the, the what was uncomfortable is this is a really fascinating social experiment. Like I think they should, I think they should show this movie in feminist classes or or what, you know, <laughs> because it was funny at the time. Like I, this was, I'm sure, okay to a lot of people that boys will be boys. But the thing, you know, it was it was like ten percent too much with what these boys were doing. Um, you know, at this academy, it, and 10%. it was funny because she's, well, I mean, you know, in terms of like going too far, you know, it wasn't like they were too much. They were, I don't know. they were basically, they were allotting her time for when they could make out with her, and she had no choice in the matter. Like she was scheduled all day long to be just passed off from guy to guy. Well, not to be made out with, like not in name. You know, that's what they were expecting, but that's not what was scheduled anyway she didn't right. have a say in the matter though that's what bugs me but uh, i just i think here's my thing i agree with all you're saying but my problem lies with how stupid the premise is and how implausible and how there's no way that a 30-year-old Ginger Rogers or a 30-year-old Ginger or 30-year-old anyone could be mistaken for a 12-year-old kid. Like, that's just stupid. Like, putting braids in a funny hat on her does not a child make. And I can't dis suspend my disbelief long enough for that. I think <sighs> we've kind of talked about this in, in episodes prior, but, like, you have to view movies through the time that they were made. And I really, truly believe that focusing on the whole, like, oh, she's a kid and, like, he's a little bit attractive. Like, that's that's an oversimplification and it's not the intent. And uh, I don't know. It is incredibly awkward. This movie could never be remade today. Like, it just couldn't. But I want to see that, but though. You know, it, it was a... It was <laughs> who, who could pull it off? Who could pull it off? But it was a huge know. hit, for one. It was Kristen one of the biggest... Wade. It was one of, like, the biggest movies of that year. And then... Was it really? Yeah, it really was. I was... Um, I, I watched the Turner Classic Movies intro for it. And then they also talk about how it was remade in the 50s. Interesting. I so, didn't know yeah. Which I... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know what that other one was called, but yeah. 
So because half of me, half of me thinks that you can't, you can't assume that a film like this embodied what everybody thought. There, you know, this film could have been like made a lot of people uncomfortable even in the time period. But you, you know, you think it was that popular? Yeah, it didn't. Yeah, people went along with this. Uh, um... But here, but okay. So let me. This is this was not. This is a screwball movie, and in a screwball movie. Everything is wacky and everything is, oh, it's a comedy of errors. And it, like, I, I pulled this up and I want to read to you. Wikipedia defines screwball comedy film as screwball comedy is a subgenre of the romantic comedy film that became popular during the Great Depression, originating in the 1930s and thriving until the early 1940s. It's widely known for satirizing the traditional love story. Many secondary characteristics of the genre are similar to film noir, but it distinguishes itself for being characterized by a female that dominates the relationship with the male central character whose masculinity is challenged. The two engage in a humorous battle of the sexes, which was a new theme for Hollywood and audiences at the time. What sets the screwball comedy apart from the generic romantic comedy is that screwball comedy puts its emphasis on a funny spoofing of love, while the more traditional romantic ultimately accents love. Other elements of the screwball comedy include fast-paced, overlapping repartee, farcical situations, escapist themes, physical battle of the sexes, disguise and masquerade, and plot lines involving courtship and marriage, blah, 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 blah. But I just, this is, this is the perfect example of that to be. Like, it doesn't make it good. Like, it doesn't erase the cringiness of it, but I think it was supposed to be, and this is, reinforced too for me by the casting of Ray Milland. Like I only knew him from a uh, dial M for murder. I'm trying to think of what else he's been so, in. So in the fifties, he kind of got this like creepy evil genius vibe going on. But in the late thirties and early forties, he had this, he, he was almost like a knockoff Jimmy Stewart, you know, like to really? the point where he was almost asexual, like so non-threatening as to be like, like, you know, in Family Guy, when they're like, who else but Quagmire? That's kind of how I view this movie. Like, who else but Ray Milland could find himself in a in a situation where he's with this? You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he, he just, like, this would not have worked if they had cast somebody like, I don't know, some virile hunk of man who's pulsating right, right, right. with sexual energy. Like, no, could not have happened. It it almost makes it worse though that all of these people are totally pulling off these roles that are horribly horrible in concept and context. Like he did a great job too, and I really believed him as a kind of an innocent guy who didn't know she was twelve. But at the end, but at the end, it was it was an instant switch from I thought you were a twelve year old to let's get married and you know like I'm sexually attracted to you romantically you know like let's get together at well, the even end. in that trailer he says well you're a knockout it's like but that, to me that my the way I read this movie and or watched it I should say he, I I believe in his heart of hearts he knew all along because like obviously if this had been cast as like Shirley Temple or if the character was really a kid like this would not have been an element of the movie he's attracted to all the because Ginger Rogers is obviously an adult woman with feminine wiles and funny you know witty sharp humor and interesting you know what I mean like he's attracted to all the adult things about her and I think he part of him knew or sensed that she was 
you know, a 30 year old woman because, because you're right at the end, they're on the train station and she's like, it's me. And he's like, it's you. And there's no aha moment. There's no like, what? By, like, by like the way, it, that was, that was her real mom. Ginger Rogers, real mom that played her mom in this movie. That's which cool. Is pretty cool. Really? Just a little side yeah. note. Um, I just looked this up. Uh, I found the Jerry Lewis movie, but it's it did actually IMDb doesn't even list that as a remake. What it does list as a remake of this movie is Never Been Kissed with Drew Barrymore. What? Uh, yeah, she goes and pretends to be high school, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway, which makes more sense as as pretend you know a 28 year old pretending to be 18 makes more sense than a 30 year old pretending to be 12. Right. Yeah, but but, this... but I, I was gonna say like the 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 worst part was that this was a really well made movie by Billy Wilder with a bunch of great actors and just the premise was so so uncomfortable at at its core that that it was this it was this very surreal experience watching it. I, I really suggest people go watch this movie because it was it was unlike anything I've ever experienced before. I agree. I totally agree because I like I, I read the premise and I was like, oh, Lord, I'm ever say like this is going to be terrible. But <laughs> in a way, I was expecting it to be terrible. But in another way, it was actually a lot better than I thought it was going to be based on this horrible, terrible premise because Ginger Rogers brings just this unfathomable amount of like sparkle and charm and sharpness to the role like and she's really funny in it like she as funny as as much as she can operate within the confines of what she's been given like i think she does a really good job oh she's amazing yeah I mean, she's good she's one of the best actresses i've seen recently and i i, I picture somebody like lucille ball trying to do this or something like that it would be so bad and so over the top but the you know the way she just inhabits this twelve year old and it is like yes. flip switches and when she swallows the cigarette that she was smoking I mean it was amazing it was great there were there is yeah. genius yep which is another sign of the times the uh, cigarettes smoking I don't know it's kind of yeah yeah um all right so do you guys ready to move on to the next one <laughs> yeah I think so okay sure okay so our next one is going to be Sunset Boulevard from nineteen fifty. Um, and we'll, should I start with the synopsis? Uh, yeah, go ahead and start with the synopsis and then we'll do the trailer. Okay. A screenwriter is hired to rework a faded silent film star's script only to find himself developing a dangerous relationship. All right. And here is the trailer. Announcing the most unusual motion picture in many years, dot, dot, dot. Sunset Boulevard. Created by Brackett and Wilder, who made The Lost Weekend, winner of four Academy Awards. Also now they, now they bring yeah. you another motion picture masterpiece. Dot, dot, dot. Paramount Sunset Boulevard, a Hollywood story. Heather Harper speaking. I'm talking from the bedroom of Norma Desmond. Don't bother with a rewrite, man. Take this direct. Ready? As day breaks over the murder hub. Yes, you'll read the big black headlines about Norma Desmond and this Hollywood scandal. But you'll never read the true story about the rest of us who were part of it. Me, for instance. Joe Gillis, a promising young writer from Dayton, Ohio. And Betty, that nice kid I met at a Hollywood party. 
who knew nothing about me, but knew what she wanted. Don't you love Artie? Of course I love him. I always will. I'm just not in love with him anymore. What happened? You did? Well, we should have lived happily ever after, like they do in the movies. But this was different, because this is a Hollywood story about the people who make the movies. The little ones that you never hear of, like Betty and me. The great ones, like Cecil B. DeMille. All those who knew Norma Desmond, a strange woman who left her mark on all of us, who crossed her path. Has it ever occurred to you that I may have a life of my own, that there, there may be some girl that I'm crazy about? Ooh, dumb car hop or dress extra? What I'm trying to say is that I'm all wrong for you. You want a Valentino, somebody with polo ponies, a big shot. What you're trying to say is you don't want me to love you. Say it. Say it. Gloria Swanson, one of the great personalities of this generation in a role that comes to an actress once in a lifetime. Rising to the heights, William Holden creates a startling portrayal. And a new star is born in Sunset Boulevard, Miss Nancy Olson. Joe? Where are you? What's this all about? Why don't you come out and see for yourself? The address is 10,086 Sunset Boulevard. Yes, come out to see for yourself the film that reaches a new milestone of dramatic daring. The film that every critic says is a giant among motion pictures. Okay, that was the end of the trailer. Um, yeah, okay. So, uh, Mark said earlier he didn't know if it was going to be the ugly one. I think Kelly was surprised by that. I will say I don't love this movie either. I wouldn't call it ugly, but I just, it's, I don't know. Go ahead, though, Kelly. Go ahead. Well, okay, so I'll start by saying this was an incredibly hard decision, which one to pick for my good, because, I mean, like I was talking about earlier like it's just such a, he's he has such a prolific amount of just sheer greatness like and we've talked about before like double indemnity is one of my favorite movies of all time in any genre and i i thought about picking it as my best billy wilder again like talking about that but i was trying to think of i don't know okay for me sunset boulevard even in that amazing company of other films like it's the most unique i would say like a lot of those other ones like double indemnity some like it hot the apartment sabrina all those they take themes and topics that are well-traveled territory um and they're he elevates them to another level based on his his touch his sensitivity his charm his just billy wilder sparkle but to me, I can't think of another movie exactly like Sunset Boulevard. And this is maybe just showing my hand and, like, uh, I guess showcasing my particular predilections. Like, uh, like I, I, I love movies about Hollywood. I love movies about aging film stars. And, like, we've talked about hag horror and all these things. I just am so fascinated by that. And so for me, this movie... That's, it has a little bit of a meta quality to it, too, because Gloria Swanson yeah. plays Nor Norma Desmond, who is this aging, silent film star who was a big thing back in the day, and now she's fallen out of the limelight. 
and she can't get back in. But Gloria Swanson herself was a huge silent film star. I mean, she she had a handful of movies between the 30s and the 50s, and she did some TV work after that. But she wasn't the star she was in the early 1900s. I mean, she had... So, okay, to put it in perspective, she made about 40 movies between 1918 and 1930, and then she made eight over the next 25 years. And so it's like, in so many ways, she was Norma Desmond, hopefully without the eccentricities, but it's just, there's this movie has everything. And I, I like For, I like that it, you know, it does the whole, it gets dark. I was actually surprised when she attempts suicide and it wasn't just a, she really tried to do it. And I, and I yeah. like how creepy it is. And, and I love the, um, you know, the reveal of her, her former husband is the one that takes care of her and all that. That yeah. I didn't expect that. I, I really didn't. And I even like that Cecil B. DeMille played himself in it. That's yeah, I was, was going to ask yeah. if, I was going to ask if that was really him. I figured you y'all would know, but I wouldn't. No, it really um, is him. Well, Kelly, you mentioned it being very meta, and I I like that to an extent. But I also like as a writer myself, I I hate stories about writers like because it's so it's so <laughs> obvious in your face. Like you know, it's like the guy sitting in a typewriter. You know, well maybe Mark we sat at we, the typewriter. We got to make sure that we never pick that as a topic for you, Mark. Oh dang! So it. maybe we have to scratch something. <laughs> dang it. Well, we, we may have thought it would have been a good topic, so now it's, I don't know. <laughs> well, the, okay, so this movie was really nuanced. I, I thought it was really well made. The The reason I thought it might be an ugly movie was just some of the content was a little uh, odd to the point of being bizarre. And also at the end, it was a little bit melodramatic when he, her, her acting. Um, yeah. And I, I think... I think it was a fine line she was trying to walk of of being this really over the top actress who really you know desires the limelight again and is is really yearning for the past. But like Charles said, I like some of these kind of unique kind of dark things with the dead monkey. They think it's going to be a dead body, and he walks in, and I forget what the line was. The the butler says something about the coffin or something, and he you know kind of pauses and walks back up the stairs, yeah. and it ends up being their monkey. I I just yeah. I think she was. She was really over the top, and I actually, I don't, I don't really like the main character. Like, I, he he never really won me over, and I, I don't know. I I didn't really care about him and that other woman and that loved him, and it's like so, so like the person that I cared about the most, Norma Desmond. I just thought she was a little over the top, and like, well, little. She was ridiculously over the top in most scenes. So, yeah, uh, I, I don't know that that kind of. <laughs> It kind of gets into some like really ham-fisted moments, so. But but it was supposed to though. I thought that was like well within the bounds of her character. I can I can see what you're saying though, but I it didn't bother me. I liked it. Um, I will say this is an interesting little tidbit. Um, Billy Wilder approached Mae West to play the Desmond <laughs> oh, role. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh. <laughs> I gotta <laughs> shout out to Micah. I'm, try, I'm trying to live up to the Micah May West impression. Oh, no. yeah. And the double D. Uh. <laughs> what did she say that episode? Something you bring. I'll bring this. Did you bring the double Ds? I don't remember. Oh, that was a great. I mean, that was a great. That was a great moment in good, bad podcast history. It was. I love that episode, the May West. Um, <laughs> we just all sit what? around doing our bad impersonations. <laughs> She, I mean, obviously, like, she, Mae West really can only play 
Mae West. And she didn't, like, Billy was quoted as saying, like, it became obvious after he interviewed her for the part that she didn't have any you know, one-tenth of the of the nuance and the irony and the sensitivity, because until the day she died, Mae West thought she was hot shirt, and so <laughs> there's no... Yeah, because we, no we saw sextet. So. Yeah, we, we know. We, we, yeah, so, anyway. But, you know, I, is this... I, I, I have to be in the right frame of mind to watch Sunset Boulevard. Like, I, I'm not going to... I still would place like on my personal favorites of like of all time movies, not Billy Wilder, notwithstanding, I would probably still pick double indemnity over this one. But I just think this one, this one's gotta be in the conversation because it's so unique and it's so, there's just nothing else like it that I can think of. Yeah. No, I see your point. Yeah. I, I do. I take your point on that. And again, I, yeah, clarify. I, think I, I, don't, was... I don't think it was ugly. I just, I just don't think it's his best. I don't think it would be an ugly movie either. I, but just that was my kind of inclination. Like I, I hadn't ever watched a Billy Wilder movie before, and so this was my first experience of that. And I, I wasn't sure. I was still trying to get my bearings about me with this one. But, but I, I respect you for choosing it because of the unique storyline. And I got that too. Like it's this, it's this aging star falling in love with this young writer, and just the kind of uh, the weirdness of that relationship. And exploring that, and he did a really realistic, good job exploring that. So, I, I like this movie for sure. And and Mark, if I like, if you if you haven't already, you should. I would so strongly recommend Double Indemnity if you want to watch one that that is as good or better. Even like you you got to watch that one because you you might it's it's less um, it's less over the top. It's less all the things you guys are saying. So you so, might enjoy that one a little more. Uh, yeah, I think I need to. And which ones have you reviewed on the show before? I know you've done the Marilyn Monroe one, some which like was uh, yeah. some like it hot. But have you all done any other Billy Wilder movies? I don't think I so, don't actually. Think so. so now we've done like three of his big ones for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought y'all had done Double Indemnity though. Well, yeah, that's what we're saying. That's one yeah. of the three. You have yeah, you have reviewed that one? Yeah. Yes. It was film okay. noir. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Got it was it. our right, second good. episode, I guess. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Wow. That's why I can't remember because it was so long ago that I listened to it. <laughs> yeah, when we're churning out like two episodes a year, it's, you know. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Shall we move on to number three? Buddy Buddy. Yes. Which, as we said earlier, The Major and the Minor, I think, was his first Hollywood movie. And then Buddy Buddy was his last in 1981. It was. Okay, so brief synopsis. During a high-profile mafia testimony case in California's Riverside County, a hired killer checks in a hotel room near the courthouse while his next-door depressed neighbor wants to commit suicide due to marital problems. And here's the trailer. (laughs) Not a lot of dialogue in this one. I'll just say that... uh... Jack Lemon is tying a rope around a pipe in a hotel room, ready to commit suicide. That's that's how this trailer started. Oh, now he's pausing to use the bathroom first. I don't remember that scene in the actual movie. I was going to say, I, I don't movie? remember him using the bathroom. I don't think he, he did. did. Okay. He did? Okay. Okay. Uh, he... Okay, here you go. He's attempt number two. 
He's flushed. He's got the noose on his neck. Here we go. Tape stopped. And he broke the pipe. Okay. Man, out of context, this trailer makes no sense. Now, Walter Matthau was listening next door. Put down it's his really rifle. Less, it's me. It's less of a Eddie, trailer than it is a scene from the movie. Well, I could have I could have picked the wrong thing, it, but it did say it's a no, buddy it's buddy. Trailer, yeah. Well, it may not be. I don't know. Bellhop's entering the room. Oh my God. this with you in bathrooms? Either you're throwing up or you're trying to kill yourself. Sorry. What made you do it? They caught you with the hand in the till? Bookies after you? Terminal cancer? What? Terminal love. Love. You did it for a dame. Celia's not a dame. She's my wife. Actually, she's my second wife. I left my first wife for Celia. I gave up everything. The three kids, the house, and the insurance. I owned a piece of the rock. And the two cars, and the Betamax, and now she left me. That's tough. For some phony doctor, I think, Dr. Zuckerbrot. He runs this fancy clinic. Uh, I guess that was the entire trailer. It just, that's a weird, I probably just pulled something random off the internet. But, okay, so, <clears throat> yeah. The, uh, first of all, this was a hard movie to find to watch. If anyone out there wants yes. to watch it, I do not believe it was ever released on DVD. So you can probably find a VHS copy. Um, and there's probably a reason for that because obviously it's Kelly's bad pick. So. It is. It is my bad pick. It, this movie, okay, so this was indeed... Uh, the the last movie directed by Billy Wilder. And in later years, he's quoted as having said, if I met all my old pictures in a crowd, personified, there are some that would make me happy and proud and I would embrace them. But buddy, buddy, I'd try to ignore. <laughs> Roger Ebert calls it a comedy without any laughs. And it is. It contains literally no laughs. It It's so much of this movie is like, random long scenes of nothing really happening they're just moving from place to place they're just doing different things it's i it doesn't feel like a billy wilder to me movie to me at all like it's 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 very difficult to accept the fact that the same person who made all these other amazing movies also made buddy buddy like and walter Matthau and jack lemon yeah. Are, are wonderful and charming and you can tell in this movie they are trying their darndest to make a silk purse out of a sow's ear but even they can't save this movie it's just boring and bad and not funny and and I I think Walter Matthau is horribly miscast he he's trying to play like a rough and tough assassin uh, I, I just never once bought it I, I never once bought that he's this like a tough collected you know hitman Jack Lemon, I think he he's he could have been good for the role. I buy into his hysteria and all that much more. But you know what's funny is like I think a lot of people in our generation are gonna know Walter Matthau and Jack Lemon from Grumpy Old Men, and then 
you know, they've actually been doing a lot of these movies together like this for years and years. And so it's just a weird dynamic for them, though. I mean, it, obviously, it's trying to be a dark comedy and you, and it's trying to be edgy with the sex clinic they go to and all that. <laughs> but I just the whole thing is basically Walter Matthau is trying to assassinate uh, like the last witness. And yeah, and he's just the so-called humor comes from him getting annoyed at Jack Lemon the entire movie and it's a different way yeah but he that's the thing he doesn't really act annoyed by Jack Lemon that much he just acts I don't know he he's so like stone face in this movie he he never really loses his cool I think that's what might have helped it a little bit was was seeing him react he was he I think he was trying to act professional about it but it ended up just not being funny to me and if i had to see him assemble his his sniper rifle uh, one more time i think i would have shot myself yeah because he kept i he think kept it was like having ready. Times. Yeah. He, he would break he kept, it down and then when he would go check on jack lemon yeah it was like over it and over and over and, the, and he got less and less like he got more and more careless about it like he just leave it out by the end of it <laughs> yeah yeah, I think this movie had very little momentum. I think that there's no forward direction with this movie. It just kind of stagnated in different little areas. <laughs> well, and then the, uh, um, the fact that at the end, Jack Lemmon was totally cool with it and decided he would be the one that would assassinate the guy. It's like that. Yeah. That's like, what? Like, that came out of nowhere. It's like, I owe you I one. Really? Okay. And he's like, oh, I, I used to shoot my BB gun at whatever, like, back in the day. Like, I, it, that's... Yeah. And then it goes into an island with the two of them. and That know. was a horrible... That was the worst part, was the ending. Yeah, and then it's like the topless woman running around. Like it, it's like... It was so... Ridiculous. So bad. Yeah. That's the other thing, too. Like, again, I'm not... This is an R-rated movie. I'm not really used to seeing the, hearing them cuss or seeing them kind of doing the dark things they're doing in this movie. It's, it's, yeah, there was a there was an F-bomb he dropped in there that kind of surprised a me. A few of them, it, it yeah. Just, like even it, at it even seems... at the end when he was dressed up as the priest, which by the way his Irish accent and there's no it was bad. There's no yeah. way that gets him through a police barricade. Yeah, no. Uh, and what what I was expecting was I, I like the plot twist where where Jack Lemmon accidentally thinks he shoots the cop, but ends up being the mobster who is dressed as a cop to to try to avoid the assassination. Like that was kind of cool. That was you know a fun plot twist to me that could have worked. And then I thought maybe that would make them become friends and like, oh my gosh, you saved me. I would have shot the wrong guy. But it, it was the same dynamic of Jack Lemmon shows up on the island, I guess, having tracked him down or I forget what the prison <laughs> was for him being on the island. And Walter Matthau was just like, oh my God, this guy followed me all the way to this island. And it, it, there was no, there was no change in these characters. I think that's the, that's the problem is the characterization. Like there was, there was no development of these characters at all. Well, I think you're yeah. supposed to like Walter Matthau and just think he's cool as all get out. Like, even his, like, I forget the exact exchange at the beginning when he's uh, at the cafe and he's paying for it. Doesn't, doesn't, he comes up with this quick one line with the lady where he just wants one or something or they're too expensive. Right, yeah, it. one at a time. Yeah. As if he's going to kill these guys one at a time. I like that. I like the opening to this. Uh, see, I didn't. I just, uh it, but it, in it fact, felt, in fact, it, in fact, I hated the opening. As a matter of fact, because him, him delivering the mail bomb and walking away and laughing, dressed, it almost was like a, I don't know, like a Wiley Coyote scheme or something. Like he's walking away in costume, and then, and then it's he's driving. What what was the second murder? I don't even remember what it was, but he's driving away and he's all happy about it. 
Yeah, as a as a post nine eleven viewer, this was you know it, it didn't age well with the you know the mail bomb, um, as much as I'm sure it was funny at the time or whatever or not funny. But um, <laughs> I just yeah, if I, you can call it that, I just but yeah. this this felt like a this felt like a TV movie. It didn't feel like even a full budget feature film to me. Yeah, which is crazy because you look at the cast and you look at the director. It's like there's no way. But, and again, as I mentioned earlier, he lived until he was 95. He lived, what did I say, 2006? Um, 2002? So let's see. Yeah, 2002. You're right. So he lived much longer after this movie, and he didn't make another movie. I I want to say that I I feel like maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he was going to retire all along anyway, but I feel like this movie like turned him off for making more movies. Maybe, so, yeah. I, I don't know because you just – yeah. I, I just I feel like if you were going to retire, you I don't know that you would retire on this one. No. Why not? Why not? It's like it reminds me of Veronica Lake channeling all her last energies into Flesh Feast, and like that was the last thing she did. It's like how could this possibly like th- these two titans of industry? Like how can that be the thing you go out on? But. I don't know. Uh, Maybe it just sunk the ship. Yeah. Used to say. Joe and Joan Crawford in that uh what's the one movie? Trog. Trog, yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. Oh man. That was great. I think that was one of my first episodes with y'all. Uh, yes, it was. Bring back memories. Trog. Uh, slice in the ham. Yep. <laughs> but uh but I would say definitely like for Billy Wilder like everybody out there needs to go and check out his work. I mean really I, yes. Because, I mean, I haven't seen all of them, but this has to be by far his worst. I, I, I mean, because you're looking at the list, and they're all, they're all like, you know, hits. Like, they're all movies you know about or that, you know, Oscar-nominated films. They're just like, bam, 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 bam. And some like it hot. I don't remember what I said in the original thing, but it's a funny movie. It really is. And, like, Ameri- mm-hmm. you know, so, uh, and then The Apartment and then Double Indemnity and all those, so... I would say, you know, if, if anything, just just avoid Buddy Buddy, but you're not going to be able to find it anyway. Yeah, um, yeah. It, will, it will be hard to avoid. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's really hard to find. Uh, and then, yeah, so, so I would say good picks, Kelly, because this is it's a good representation for this. For the good, bad, and the ugly. Yeah, yeah, it really is. This is great. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, on that note, would you care dun, to dun, discuss dun. what we'll be doing next time? I would. So how are we going to do this? Am I going to get a choice or are you just going to pick one for me? What do we decide? So we have three doors okay. for you. We've pre-assigned three movies to each of those three doors. Okay. So if you just want to choose door number one, two, or three, then we'll tell you what lies behind that door. Are there any uh, behind those doors? Are there any of them that I'm going to hate? Like, did you pick one just to mess with me? I did. Yes. Okay. So one of the three. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, let's go with door number three then. Okay. Door number three is... Actually, Kelly, hold on a second. I, oh, okay. I kind of want to change things up a little bit. I didn't talk to you about this. Okay. But I, I okay. think it would be appropriate for Charles to do an episode on growing families. Movies about growing families. Oh. Okay. Okay. Really? Any particular is there reason? Any... Yeah. Is there a reason, Mark? I don't know. Charles, do you have any reason you think it might be appropriate for you to do an episode on growing families? It is. I am growing my family, Kelly. This is 
uh, we're gonna have another baby. Yes! Oh my gosh! <laughs> <So>. You guys. <laughs> and you're not uh, as you're not as ticked off as you were the first time that Charles did this to you. <laughs> I'm glad to know. I have to say twice, twice, Charles. You're, you're, you're I pulling wool over my eyes. Nothing to do with this. I had no idea. Um, That's so exciting! Oh my gosh, you rep scallions. So yeah, we uh, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, due April. Um, and we don't know the gender yet. We're, we're actually kind of debating how sex. we're going to do that. So you don't know the sex yet. What's gender is self-designated. Oh, we don't know the gender sex. is self-decided. Yeah. We don't know the sex yet, but, uh, yeah. So, wow. so then yeah. Mark and I were deciding, do we really go with that? Or should I go, <laughs> do you really want me to do that one? Or would you guys, or how about you guys pick? Do you want me to do that genre? Or do you really wait, still, wait, what, what door did you pick? I picked three. So which one? Oh, uh, you don't have, we, to, don't have to tell me which one with, it is, but which one would you rather me do? You could decide I think amongst we yourself. Go with, I think we should go with door number three, Kelly. Okay. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, yeah. I mean, I I would like to discuss door number three, but whatever. whatever yeah, I think it's been too long. I think it's been long enough that I I'm amazed that y'all haven't done this one yet, or we it's haven't true. done this one yet. All right. Okay. So right, what's Kelly, what's door number three? What's door number three? Okay, door number three is Alfred Hitchcock movies. Bam. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Oh, man. I wish we would have done this in time for October. Okay. I know. Now, but like Billy Wilder, uh, I don't know that his last ones were his best, but we'll see. We'll have to, I'll have to go back and revisit some of those. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's awesome. All right. Okay. You're right. That is one, actually, that I've been wanting to do for a long time, so... Because I was going to ask, what what are some like growing family movies? I can't think of many. Well, other than like Cheaper by the Dozen. Yeah, I was going to say Cheaper, Cheaper by the, by the Dozen. dozen yeah, all I or like about. the Parent Trap. Like, didn't they kind of merge families? Yeah, the Brady Bunch movie, I guess. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, or anyway. uh, Look Who's Talking Now. Look who's talking to <laughs> Look who's talking. Yeah, these be all. <laughs> that'd be a weird. That'd be a weird episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of really mod podge stuff. I mean, I <laughs> so anyway, I don't even. I don't. I can't think of a good one actually. Like I'm trying to think of a really good one like that, but I don't know. Yeah, that's where you get right, into. Let's do Hitchcock. Hitchcock. All for, right, for okay. the baby. I mean, the baby. We're gonna want to do this so that when the second baby grows up, they'll be able to hear about this. Uh, I tell you, my, my first need, daughter, need... my first daughter seems to like, like the scary stuff. It doesn't scare her. She's really intrigued by it. So it's interesting right now. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how your kids are Mark, but like, I mean, do they, are they freaked out oh, by like stuff like yeah. that? It's really, yeah, it's really interesting. We put, we put, um, I haven't really showed her scary movies. That's not what I'm saying. But like I put on like, um, like Halloween decorations and stuff and, my daughter will come out and like there's a hanging zombie and a hanging skeleton and a ghost and every time we leave our house or come back to our house she wants to go out and look at him. She's like, look, look daddy, look daddy and like is really excited about him. Like it's Aww. like she's getting out of the car and like I, I don't know. I don't know if she just doesn't know she's supposed to be afraid of him or if yeah, she's gonna like him. My daughter really loved bones, like anything skeletons about a year ago and this year she's now four and a half and she's getting a little bit more anxious about the scary stuff I so it's, it's really i'm gonna gonna see what uh you know how, if she how she grows up if she continues to like it but like so far like stuff doesn't phase her at all like she seems to like have a joy for it so we'll see we'll see 
But the zombie one, I think, is her favorite. She loves the zombie, and it's really horrific looking. <laughs> nice. Well, I'm excited about Hitchcock because I haven't really, I haven't really watched much Hitchcock, um, and it's been a while. I think I've seen Birds and Psycho, and I think that's really it that I've watched. Sat yeah, down and watched. It is all going the way to be. Through. It's going to be a challenge to. It's going to be a big challenge, kind of like Billy Wilder with his. Like it's going to hard. Yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, I can't even think of ones that I haven't like really really liked um so like i said i'll have to revisit i'll have to revisit him and then don't forget that he's made a bunch of like um before he started making uh, american versions of his movies like he made a bunch of silent films and he made a bunch of british films um because he he was big in the silent you know uh, because it was born in 1899 so he was making movies in britain in the early 20s and teens and all that so yeah I'm cool. excited. I'm excited, and I've got That's I've got most of good. his movies, so we're we're good on that. So, except probably some right. bad ones. So we'll see. All right, cool. Well, that was fun, guys. Well, yeah, yeah. And as as always, you can check us out at itsjustawesome.com, and on Twitter and iTunes at Good Bad Podcast, all one word. Cool. 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 All right, guys. Okay. That was good fun. episode. Yeah. All right. All right. Have a good all one. Right. Cool. Y'all too. Bye, guys. Bye.